good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Can you give me like a wave or a thumbs up or a comment or something if you're online? And can I get a whoop whoop from everybody in the building? Yeah, thank you so much. My name's Kayla Marcantonio. Me and my husband, Matt, are the pastors here at Crossing Place Church if we've never met before. And if I could get a little bit of your involvement this morning, could you look to the person next to you, give them the biggest smile, and say to them, we've never done it this way before. (laughs) We've never done it this way before. So, Let me kind of catch you up to speed. We've literally never done a sermon. Uh, For you online, this is nothing new, but for those who are in the building, um, we've never done a a video kind of sermon um, unless you came on a Wednesday night. And let me tell you why we're doing this. So uh, late this past week, towards the later part of the week, um, my husband Matt started feeling bad. We definitely thought that it may have been some stress or maybe like he had the cold, uh, a cold, and But as the weekend progressed, we realized that he was getting worse and he was having symptoms that were lining up with COVID, right? The infamous COVID. And so we made the decision last night to, uh, or yesterday, to go and get him tested. And he did turn out positive. Now, for me and um, our daughter Madison, we have no symptoms. We really don't even think that we have it. Um, and if we do, we're experiencing no type of sickness. Uh, but here's what I want to tell you that um, we really believe that, first of all, this didn't catch caught off, off guard, that um, it's not like he didn't know like this was going to happen. And I firmly believe that God gave me a message just for you, not because I'm special, but because you're special, because he loves you. And we have so many wonderful pastors on our team that could have done an excellent job, would have done an excellent job being up here. It's not that we didn't want to give them the opportunity. It's really that I'm just a little bit jealous, and I just wanted to be the one who talked to you. So we don't plan on making this a regular habit, but I just wanted to record this so that we could actually, I could be able to speak to you today, right now, where you are at, where you are in life. I do want to put you at ease that um, everything was totally distanced, uh, sanitized during this recording, so you don't have to worry about catching the cooties from me or the aftermath of being here the next morning, okay? Um, But as you're praying, please be praying for him. Please be praying for our family. Uh, Please take this as a reminder, right, to keep our masks on. If you know Matt personally, you know that he's been the most proactive and protective out of anybody, like even more than me. And so we really don't understand. But here's what I do know. Um, I have a few declarations. You can say amen at the end of it. First of all, here's what I know. I know that God's a healer. Can you say amen? Yes. I know that God is good. I know that he is sovereign, and I declare that even if this is a spiritual attack, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, right? So we know that, um, that just, you know, we had, we had a hard week with a bunch of different things. Lots of you had hard weeks. That has nothing to do with this, but here's what I know, that there's spiritual fruit to come from it. So with that, we want to dig into the word, because this week is the start of Holy Week. Can someone say Holy Week? Holy Week, right? And so it's really the start of the week as we progress into Easter, which is going to be next Sunday. Now, uh, I did forget to say this earlier. Let me go ahead and just mention it. Um, Based on when his symptoms started, uh, as long as we go, well, we are going to go through this quarantine process, uh, we should be looking at being here for Easter 
presenting that both of us have negatives before then. So uh, when you are praying, please just be praying specifically for that, that we will be able to have those negative test results so we will be able to be here on Easter and be completely fine to be around you guys and celebrate the risen King. But here's what I love about Holy Week. And if you've never heard about Holy Week, let me kind of tell you about it. It's the week leading up to Easter, which Easter is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Now, when it comes to other Christian holidays, when it comes to like, for example, Christmas, right? Um, We don't really know if Jesus was born on December 25th, right? We don't know that. That's just a day that we picked as believers. Uh, A lot of people think it's like closer to February, right? But that's okay. That's the day that we pick. I believe that the Lord honors that. But what I really, really love about Holy Week is that literally we can chart the days leading up, starting today, leading up to the resurrection of Jesus. We can follow along. We can read the scripture. It can come alive to us that not only did this really happen, but this we could follow along and celebrate. We can honor. We can remember the death and the resurrection of our Savior as it happened in real time. So coming up in a couple of days, if you're reading, I would encourage you to open up a, a version plan and read along starting today for Holy Week because you'll read that starting around tomorrow and Tuesday, Jesus got into altercation with the Pharisees. You'll see that he drove those, uh, those wrongful sacrifices out of the temple again, right? He's known for doing that with his whip. He has this righteous anger. You'll see that around Thursday will follow as he goes into the Last Supper and as he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? As he intercedes for future believers. We're going to follow all of that. And it leads up to Friday, him being crucified, him being buried, Sabbath, uh, sorry, Saturday, which is a Jewish Sabbath, silence. It was quiet. He was dead. But then on Sunday... He resurrected, and that is the hope that we have today, is that because he resurrected, we can have hope. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, because today is Palm Sunday. It's, it's the start of the week, and let me tell you the event that transpired that makes this such a holy day. Jesus, it was prophesied in Zechariah that there would be a Messiah and that he would ride in on a donkey into Jerusalem. And so it's on Palm Sunday that Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. And it's called Palm Sunday because as he rode in on a donkey, the Gospel of John records that people took palm branches and they waved them. And if you can imagine this with me, as he's riding in on this donkey into Jerusalem, they're literally laying down palm branches so that even, and then if I could give you this visual, he is sitting on like a blanket or like some type of saddle on top of the donkey. The donkey's walking on palm branches and blankets and their coats. So the son of man isn't even touching the ground. It's such a holy moment. They're not allowing him to even touch the dirt that he's coming in on. And so he's riding in And they're just laying these down in front of him as he's going and as he's coming into the city. The crowd, the crowd that was there would put Mardi Gras crowds to shame. If you can imagine, you know, just someone trying to get a little glimpse and maybe just to peer through some shoulders just to be able to put their eyes on Jesus. 
And if you want to know, well, what's the special occasion? What makes Jesus so special this time? Is it his first time to Jerusalem? It's not. In fact, he had been there multiple times before. But leading up to this point, he had just been a regular. He had just been a teacher. He was someone who came in and out. And you know, sometimes we see where uh, musicians, bands, comedians, they'll make their tours, they'll make their rounds, and they end in one final big city, and there's a big welcome. And if we tried to compare it to that, we would li literally do it a disjustice. We would, we would do it a disservice. Because really what was happening is this, that Jesus was coming in just like he had time and time again, but this time they saw him a little bit differently. They saw him um, not as ordinary. They didn't see him as mediocre. They didn't see him as that weird guy who's always coming here and disrupting things. But for the first time, they had at least a little bit of a different perspective that we're going to jump into, that they saw him as special, they saw him as royal, and they saw him as a king. So out of all the Gospels, we're going to choose to read out of the Gospel of John today. So if you could read with me in John chapter 12, this is the description that John gives of Palm Sunday. It says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city, and a large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God! Or if you love to read in the King James, New King James, uh, excuse me, New King James Version, you would probably read, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. I want to let you know today that these palm branches were not laid down haphazardly. They weren't just randomly grabbed, but instead it was with palm branches that they were making a declaration. Now, palm, palm trees were not special by any means, okay? Let me just throw that out there. Yeah, Jericho was known as the city of palm trees, okay? So that just lets you in on the fact that this was a normal landscape, right? This was normal, I guess you could call it vegetation, whatever word you want to throw on it. It was normal. They saw it all the time. But let us not take for granted that just because it was an ordinary sight that this moment was ordinary because it's anything but that. But instead, let me tell you a little bit about the significance of palm trees or palm branches. When Solomon, King Solomon, David's son, was finishing up the temple in the Old Testament, and he was adding the last-minute decor to the temple that they had worked decades on to build for the Lord. It started with David, ended with Solomon. He decided that it would be worthy of the creator of the universe to carve palm branches into the side of the walls. And so the temple was decorated with palm branches on the side, and or palm trees is what I should say. And then athletes, when they would play in these uh, Grecian games, when they were coming home to their families, when they're coming home to the villages, um, they wanted to declare that they were 
you know, the winner, that they had not lost, that they were not coming home in shame. And so to say that from a far off distance, when people would watch for them to come home, they would come home with palm branches in their hands, and it would be seen from far off that they were the victors. Even the Israelites, if you go back and read in the Old Testament, you'll see that that even the Lord directed these people that when they were celebrating, whether it was like the Feast of Unleavened Bread or whatever type of feast they were celebrating, they would hold palm branches in their hands to wave them to show joy and triumph that they were God's chosen people. And so this was not haphazard. This was not anything by accident, but instead... If you'll look with me, let's recognize that to wave a palm branch wasn't just a sign of kindness to Jesus, but it was to declare the appearance of a king, to declare that there was triumph being noticed, to declare that there was a victor before them, to declare that there was royalty in their sight. And yet, here's what we must say today is that even, how do I say this? Even with all of these shouts, even with all of these praises, Jesus was having a little bit of a different reaction to all of this. Um, he, couldn't, he couldn't shout with them. He couldn't, he couldn't smile with them. He couldn't join in on the fun. Instead, what we must realize today is that it was a weeping Jesus that rode into Jerusalem, not one that would necessarily receive their praise or who wanted to join in, but instead really felt like the moment was being missed. Let's look at his perspective in Luke chapter 19. It says, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing. And as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Remember that, because we're going to come back to it. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. See, the Jews were welcoming a king on that Sunday. But it was the king that they had described, and it was the king that they wanted to worship. I'll put it to you this way. They had heard many miracles that Jesus had done. They had heard or seen the supernatural over the past three to four years. They had encountered him. They had heard his teachings. They had seen what he could do from the, the very um, direction of God himself, though he was God in flesh, they didn't realize it. But what they had heard about and seen was a few miraculous things. They had heard about that he had fed over 5,000 people with just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. In fact, that was what drew 
people to him for the very first time in large masses. They had heard about a lame man that could walk, that actually they had heard about a blind man that could now see. That had never happened before. And in fact, that he had confirmed it with the Pharisees. He had confirmed it with the priests. They had heard about a woman who was healed with a bleeding issue. They had seen or heard about a man who had been dead for four days. They knew what he had done. They knew what he could do. And yet, as he rides into Jerusalem, their main thought is probably this, as they lift their palm branches and as they worship. If this man can do all of this, then surely he can free us from Rome's control. Probably not what you expected me to say just then, right? (laughs) Let me give you a little bit of context. See, at least for the past 60 years, Israel had not been their own nation. They had been ruled by the Romans. And then before that 60 years, it was about another 500 before that since they had been their own nation. They were God's people. Um, they, They had different ways of life. And I'm pretty sure by this point they were feeling a certain way. I'm pretty sure that they were feeling, I'm tired of paying taxes to somebody who worships multiple gods. I'm tired of following government rule that doesn't line up with my beliefs. I'm tired of following a leader that doesn't even observe the same things that I do. I'm tired that we observe Sabbath and no one else does. I'm tired that I worship, but they don't. I'm tired of living around people who don't understand the God I serve. Or I'm tired because I'm confused because they serve a bunch of gods and I think I serve this God and I'm just tired. I'm just tired. And maybe instead of giving allegiance to Rome, maybe instead of giving allegiance to Caesar, maybe I can salute this Jesus guy. Maybe he's the way out of it. This picture, it hurts. It hurts. I weep with a weeping Jesus at this. That there had been 400 years of silence from the Father that was broken by John the Baptist, but that was it. That he's God in flesh. He's here to redeem their souls. He's here to bring a way of peace. He's here to declare God's favor on them. That it's the, that's what he said in the temple. It's the time for God's favor. And yet... He is praised by a people who want him to comfort them in their physical uh, surface, shallow comforts, who just want a better schedule, who just want more money, don't have to pay as many taxes, who just want him as king for convenience, who just want him as king so they can be victorious in the way that the world sees it, who wants him for not the reason that he came. In fact, he has a depth and a, and a 
a supernatural gift that we could never give to offer everybody and they want just the just the bare minimum the the natural the superficial the things that don't even last forever what hurts more and what cuts deeper is to realize that even on Palm Sunday, though, that, uh, that we could be doing the very same thing. Cheering for a Jesus to give us a shallow victory and missing the very real freedom that he has to offer. So here's my question for every single person in the room today, whether this is your first time here today, or if you've been in church, maybe like I've been since the day you were born, are we in the crowd cheering for a Jesus who is saddened by our praise, who weeps, who cries, and who does not celebrate at the shouts being given to him. Why was Jesus so sad? Why did he weep as he rode into Jerusalem? And it's, it's not hard to figure out. We just talked about it. It's the fact that they had, they had been there. They had seen him. They had heard him. They had talked about him. They maybe even had conversations with him. They may have even been there when the woman touched his robe, and yet they still miss why he came. Let me put it in today's terms. They came every Sunday. They had been baptized. They knew what God's presence felt like. They lifted their hands in worship. They sometimes gave in the offering. They sometimes went to small group and they still missed him. They still did not know the Jesus who was fulfilling prophecy and writing right in front of their noses. So church, my question for every single one of us today, even I had to answer this question this week, do we know him? Do we know him? Do we know Jesus? Let me clarify, I'm not asking if you've ever felt his presence. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking, have you ever heard of a miracle or experienced a miracle? I'm not asking any of that. I'm not asking if you love to worship. I'm not asking if you love to come to church. What I'm asking you is, do you know him? Do you know him? Not know of him. Do you know him? Even the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament, if I could just know him, if I could just know him better. I just want to know him. We, we have to know, and I'm not asking, you know, for you to question your, your salvation over and over, but it's a legitimate question today. Do we know him? Because at times, we can be doing the very same thing, lifting palm, palm branches, feeling holy, feeling like we're part of the moment, feeling like we're part of the celebration. And really, we're just lifting palm branches not to Jesus, but to the Jesus that we want. 
And really, in that moment, all that is is an idol. It's not Jesus. It's not who he is. It's something to laugh about, but it's worth sharing. There's this movie that came out in 2006 about a a race car driver. Maybe you know the one I'm referencing if you're laughing right now, right? Uh, It's about a race car driver and him, I don't know, doing race car things. That's all I'm going to say. And his crazy family. And there's this shot, this like infamous funny moment in the movie. If you, if you don't know what movie I'm talking about, please do not go watch it. Like somebody should not have let me watch this movie at the time that I did, okay? I'm not recommending it to you, which is why I'm not sharing the name. But there's this scene in the movie, right, where they're praying over dinner. And uh, it's family dinner. I think it's on a Sunday, right? And they're, they're going around the table, and the person praying, the race car driver, he starts praying, but he starts praying to baby Jesus. And so, you know, he's saying grace over the dinner, praying to baby, baby Jesus. And it opens up a conversation to the whole table about um, who everyone's favorite Jesus is, right? So his is the, the baby Jesus, and then there's another person at the dinner table, and he's saying how he loves the grown man Jesus who has a beard, and he grew up to be like a full man. And then someone even comes in and says, well, my favorite Jesus is the one with angel wings, and he's singing lead for Leonard Skinner. That's all I need you to know, okay? That's, that's what he says. And that's funny, and we laugh at that, but that scene is what comes to mind when I hear this story, because a lot of times we do the same thing. I like, I like my Jesus. I like the Jesus who ate with sinners and, uh, and doesn't convict. He just loves And that is true. He only loves, but I think the Bible said that he was full of grace and truth. I like the Jesus who knows that this is, this is just who I am. I can't do anything about it. You know, this is, this is just me. Um, I like the Jesus who I feel on Sundays, but you know, he doesn't really fool with the rest of my week. I like the Jesus who makes me feel better um, after I've sinned, but I know I have no plans on giving that up. I like the Jesus who insert in whatever. And, and just like these, the story is on Palm Sunday, I like the Jesus who's going to free me from Rome. I like the Jesus who's going to help me not to have to pay taxes. Don't we do the very same thing. Read this with me, because here's the declaration of truth for today, that we cannot praise him for what we want him to be. We must praise him for who he is, and who he is alone. We take all of him, or we take none of him. And that's where we have to be today on Palm Sunday 2021. So I'm not going to lead you to this point without at least not giving you the answer. So who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And thankfully, I don't have to rely on my description of him because I think that that might offer a little bit of bias as well. But I'm so thankful that God in flesh gave his own words in the book of John to tell us who he really is. 
that we wouldn't get it twisted, that we wouldn't be jaded about it, that we wouldn't be confused. Red letter, this is what he said. If I could share it with you today, if you're wondering who is this Jesus with no opinion, with no misguidance, without any uh, of me in it, this is what he says. In John chapter six, he firstly says, I am the bread of life. He is the only substance that can cure the gnawing that is inside of us. That just when you get hungry and like you eat a piece of fruit and you're still hungry, you drink some water, you're still hungry and your body's telling you, I need some substance. What I declare about Jesus and what he says about himself is he says, I'm the bread of life. You got a hole that's telling you you're hungry and you're starving and it's gnawing at you and you go over here and you gossip about people and you realize it's not full. And then you go over and maybe you drink or maybe you're addicted to something or maybe it's something you watch online or music that you hear on in your ears and you're going, maybe this will make me stop feeling this gnawing sensation inside of me and still you're hungry. And then you come over here to relationships and maybe if I just get the right best friend, maybe if I just sleep with this person, maybe if I can just have one night out, maybe Maybe if I can just get married, I'll stop feeling this gnawing inside of me. But he says, I'm the bread of life. You'll still be hungry unless you eat on me. Unless you take in who I am, you'll never be satisfied. He says in John chapter eight, I am the light of the world, which declares if you're not looking at him, you're living in darkness. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about listening to worship music. I'm not talking about going through the motions. If you're not looking with your eyes set on him, we're in Moment, darkness and we're not blind. Allowing him to even touch I don't the care how happy you are. I don't care how fulfilled so you feel. And they're just if you're not looking at him, him as he's you're blind and, as he's and you're deceived. Into the city. Because he's the, crowd, the true light. The crowd that was there would put he says in John chapter 10, I'm the door. If you can imagine, the door. you know, just someone trying to so get many a times, glimpse if there was a room with God in it, some shoulders don't we try to, to get in like the paralytic and be dropped in through the ceiling? Maybe if I can dig my way underground, maybe if I can do some more good things, maybe if I can give some more money, maybe if I can serve a little bit in the church, serve a little bit in the community, maybe then, maybe, maybe if I can be quiet long enough that everybody forgets what I did, then, then I can come to God. But he says, I'm the door. I'm the door. You come through me. And you or know, you don't get to the Father. Where, uh, you have to go through Him. And here's the great thing, it's easy. He doesn't make it difficult. That knob is not locked. There's not a deadbolt on the door. In fact, and the door is wide open for anyone who is willing to walk through. He says in John chapter 11, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. And here's what I know that this speaks to today. Because for you to be the life and for you to be the resurrection, you have conquered death. They saw him. You know who's a best um, friend to death? Ordinary. Fear. They didn't see him as mediocre. I, I'm so scared nobody will know see him me. as that weird I'm guy. I'm so scared that nobody will see me. But for I'm so scared time, of, le not, of leaving this life and, and not leaving a mark on society. I'm so scared of being feeble in my old age. Is there anybody that thinks these things? I'm so scared of dying. 
We're going to choose to But he says, the I'm the antidote. So could read with me Those who believe in me Paul, have life even after death. In fact, it says John in the New Testament, they've already Sunday. crossed over into life day, and have passed the death. I'm the resurrection. I'm the cure for all your fears, for all your shame, for all your guilt. It's me, is what Jesus says. In John chapter 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. What a shepherd does for their sheep. If you felt conviction and shame up until this point, let me give you some hope. The good shepherd says that he lays down his life for the sheep, that he goes after the one that wandered. If you're the one who wandered, he's coming after you, that he carries the sheep on his shoulders, that he brings them home, that he takes care of them. And it's as if when they walked away, it never happened. He doesn't bring that sheep home and treat them differently or beat them or hurt them. But instead it was if they never walked away. In fact, more than anything, he has a more careful eye on that one because he loves them so much. In John chapter 14, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Here's what I love about Jesus. You may not like it based on what you might hear, but I love it is that he loves us too much to let us sit in lies. Instagram, Facebook, pictures on social media. Boy, we love to put out a lie. Can we be honest? Can, can I hear from anybody? Can we be honest this morning, right? I love for you to think I'm okay when I'm broken. I love for you to think my family's fine when it's falling apart. I love for you to think I'm pretty when I don't think I am. I love for you to think something, though I know different for the world, but he says, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. I'll tell you the truth, even when you don't wanna hear it if it's good for you, it's good medicine because he loves us too much. You ever realized, you ever realized that the people you love the most is the people you tell the truth to? You wanna tell someone the truth and you don't feel like it? It's probably because you're not close enough to them. But the people we love the most is who we tell the truth. And then he says in John 15, I am the true vine. Anyone connected to him has life, but if we apart from him, we have death. Let me tell you, this is our Jesus. This is our King. This is the one who convicts of sin, but yet he is gracious enough to let us choose him. He does not force us. He is gracious enough to make a way for the Father. He was gracious enough to ride into Jerusalem even when people's eyes were coated over and they couldn't see him perfectly. This is the King that deserves palm branches today. This is the King that deserves our praise. This is is the king and he is to be glorified. This is our king. This is our king. Nothing more, because you can't have more. It's not possible. And certainly nothing less. He's our king. We take all of him or we have none of him. Do we know Jesus. There's a happy ending to this story, even though Jesus rode into Jerusalem crying, weeping. Because in the book of Revelation, it says that there's going to be an eternal Palm Sunday. And Jesus isn't crying at this one. It's, it's after he's 
come back in his second coming because he is coming back, amen. It's after he comes back. And uh, it's, it's when we're, it's just a moment in the end times where we're with him. Those who love him and trust in him and believe in him are with him. That's all I can say without getting into further details. And it says this in Revelation chapter seven. It says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne before the lamb. And they were clothed in white robes. Somebody say white robes, white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. So here's my question today. Why did all the people have white robes? Is it because they were perfect? Is it because they got it all right? Is it because they never did anything wrong? Hardly. But here's a call from Jesus that echoes into eternity. And it's a call for you and I today out of Revelation 22. Jesus says to us today, blessed are those who wash their robes. And the robes are an outward symbol of our soul, of our soul. And I wanna let you in on a little bit of a secret. From your very first time that you've sinned, that robe starts to get dirty. The unfortunate thing is, as it works with our soul, is that the harder you try to scrub that thing and get it out, the dirtier it gets because a lot of times it's out of selfish motive or it's out of pride or it's out of guilt. Really, the more good things you try to do, the dirtier your robe gets. I can prove it to you. It's, it's in Isaiah. It says this, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, when we, when we try to do the right thing, even on our best days, even when I'm trying so hard, I've got bleach. I'm trying to scrub that sin out. I mean, I'm 30. I got like 28 years of it. It started when I didn't even realize it. I, I could have tried for 28 years to scrub that stuff out and it would just get worse. But it says, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Let me put it to you this way in layman terms to what that Hebrew is. It's blood stained. It's filthy. It's not coming out. But here's the promise from the father because he knew it. He knew from when even Adam and Eve rebelled against him. He knew there was no way that we could get it out. There's no way that I can make my robe white after I dirtied it up so much. But in the same book of Isaiah, the Lord gave this promise. Come now, let's settle this. Hey, let's, uh, let's get on the same page here is what the Lord is speaking today. Though your sins are like scarlet, though you've dirtied up your robe and you can't get any of it out, even though it's blood stained and it's red, 
and you look like you murdered somebody because of what's in your heart. Though your sins are like scarlet, I, not I, but I, will make them white like snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. So for everybody here today, here's what I want to let you know with heads up and eyes open, that it is faith through Christ and his work on the cross that makes your robe white. And if you're sitting there thinking right where you are, you're sitting there thinking that sounds too easy, (laughs) it's because it is. It's because it really is. The Bible says that all have sinned, all have fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all not done anything to earn our white robe. But here's the great thing I promise you, those who are waving white, wearing white robes and waving palm branches in eternity, they were sinners too. They messed up too, they screwed up too. And yet, it was the Lord who said, if you believe in what I did for you, if you'll just trust me, if you'll acknowledge that I'm real and that this is what I did for you, then by faith, all of your sins are cleansed and you have a white robe, basically, not basically, but technically and actually, you have a clear soul. Everything you've been trying to hide everything you've been trying to forget, everything you've been trying to make sure that nobody finds out about, the Lord wipes it clean. And it's as if it never, ever happened. I believe this is a specific word for somebody today. I know that you live with guilt with what you've done. I know that you've lived with shame, and I know you try to pretend like it doesn't happen. But I believe, and I'm declaring over you, that it is with you in mind that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And the reason that he wept was because people did not see who he was and who he is. But today, you've been given an opportunity to say, I know Jesus, and I responded to him, and Jesus will not weep over you, but right now in this moment, he will celebrate with you. So I want to give every person, whether you've been in church since you were a child or this is your first time here, an opportunity to respond to the gospel. The gospel is this, though we are sinners and though we deserve punishment, the punishment that a lot of times we live in because we feel so guilty, that Jesus took that punishment on the cross and though he died, he was resurrected. He lives today. He's in heaven on the right side of the Father. And that proves that it worked. That if that could be real, that that means your sins are completely gone and we can trust that as well. I'm believing in firm faith that you want to respond to this right now. So here's what I want to let you know. We're going to have some pastors down here at the front, right here in the front, and I guess what you would call the front of the stage where there's no chairs. And they're going to be waiting for you down here. I want you to make a decision for Jesus today. They want to be praying with you. And I'm not here to declare guilt over you or shame over you. In fact, here's what I want to encourage you with. 
if your palms are a little bit sweaty, if you've thought the thought, do I know Jesus, and you've come to realize that maybe it was a version that you came up with yourself, if your heart is beating out of your chest, then it's a very good indicator and probably the highest indicator that it's time for you to make that decision. We're asking you to come to the front if you're in the in-person service. We'll talk about online in just a little bit. We want you to come down to the front because of this reason. Because Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. But if you accept me before men, I'll accept you before the Father. And this is the moment where you are going to accept Jesus before men and women, this family of yours. Don't walk up with shame. Don't walk up with condemnation. In fact, we're going to begin clapping for you as you come forward, as the Holy Spirit inspires you to be courageous and helps you. And if you even need to grab someone next to you to come up with you, no shame, even grab a stranger. We're going to be cheering along with you alongside all of heaven as you respond to this. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask that you respond, that you come and make your robe white, that you accept Jesus as your Savior, or if you're a prodigal coming home, that you accept him again, even for the second or third time, I challenge you to step out when I count to three. One, two, three. Can we cheer for anyone walking down today?